When all you know is fight or flight, red flags and butterflies all feel the same. My name is Andrea, and this is Adult Child. Welcome back to Adult Child, where we take a deep dive into the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family. Ahoy, my dear shit shows. Shit show nation. I don't think I said in the last episode. Uh, for any new listeners, welcome. I'm Andrea. I'm a shit show. And this is where we talk about how to stop letting the unresolved pain of your childhood sabotage your life as an adult. There are millions of people out there who don't know that they're an adult child, and that's why I created this podcast in hopes of reaching them, in hopes of letting them know that they're not alone, and that healing is absolutely possible, and you can also have a little fun while doing so. Uh, So buckle up, and I just want to say that there's a party going on right here. I hit a million downloads yesterday. (laughs) I always do that when I'm singing. Like, I do this weird, like, at the end. I hit a million, Daniel, yesterday. (laughs) In the club. Uh, Okay, I don't know what's up with that. Uh, I hit a million downloads yesterday, guys. I posted on Instagram that I, when I launched this, on the floor of my closet next to my cat's litter box, I didn't know if I was going to get 100 downloads, let alone a million. And it turns out that my story resonated with quite a few of y'all, unfortunately. <laughs> fortunately for me, maybe unfortunately for you. Um, seriously, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So grateful for each and every one of you. Thank you for sharing this podcast with other people that you know. Continue to share. Who are you going to share this episode with? This is a good one to share because today we're joined by Irene Lyon. And we are diving deep into the nervous system and somatic healing. So I have deemed Irene the the queen of the nervous system, although she says that other people have have called her that before. So Irene is, as I've stated, nervous system queen, a nervous system specialist, and a somatic neuroplastic plastic. a somatic neuroplasticity expert. And so she helps thousands of people all over the world heal their trauma. And so she combines three separate healing modalities in her her own work and teachings. And that would be uh, somatic experiencing, uh, somatic practice, and then the Feldenkrais method. You know, if we were to sum up uh, the adult child trauma syndrome into one phrase, it would be nervous system dysfunction, nervous system dysregulation. So uh, whether we're talking about the, the physical changes that occur in the brain as a result of growing up in a state of chronic, chronic stress or abuse and fear whether we're talking about emotional flashbacks, uh, whether we're talking about the limiting beliefs that we hold or the harmful coping mechanisms that 
we've been utilizing, it really all comes back to a, a dysregulated and imbalanced nervous system. So this is a really important conversation. This is a really important topic. This is also why we can't just work through this shit through talking about it alone. You know, as the the book is called, The Body Keeps the Score. This stuff is, is stored within our body, our childhood experiences or in trauma. There's all this trapped energy in our body that needs to be addressed and released. And as Irene says in my conversation with her and, you know, big spoiler alert, this shit takes time. <laughs> this shit takes a lot of time. So let's get the damn show on the road. Uh, but first, let's take care of business. Number one, damn the join Patreon. Damn the join Patreon. This is where I host three weekly Zoom support groups with a bunch of amazing shit shows. Uh, this is also where we have a, a WhatsApp chat community that is always popping. This is essentially a, a, a support system in your back pocket. As I keep plugging, what we're dealing with here is relational trauma and a, a huge component of the healing needs to be finding people that we can relate to and learning how to have safe, intimate relationships with other people. And this is a place where you can do so. So head on over to patreon.com slash adult child. Yes, you, the person that's been wanting to sign up for a while. How about you do that now? Next, give me a little follow on the Insta, on the TikTok. And last but not least, give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify, please. It is a requirement to listening to this podcast if you don't do so. Next week, when you go to try to find this podcast, it's not going to be there. <laughs> it's not going to be there. So you don't want that to happen. Go give me a damn five-star review. Okay, thanks. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So we have a special guest today. So I refer to myself as the queen of the shit show. <laughs> and I'm going to deem you the queen of the nervous system. Aw, thank you. <laughs> I've, you know, I, I've had a few people say that. So I've heard it before. Um, so right before we started recording, I asked her if she was familiar with the terminal child. And she said mm-hmm. she was not in, a, in an actual sense. So allow me to tell Please. Um, so the term was initially adult children of alcoholics. I see. Um, and so that came around in the late 70s, early 80s. But it wasn't long after that, like within the next 10 years, they realized that there were other types of dysfunctional families that mm-hmm. could also produce an adult child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Most of Western society. Exactly. Yeah. So um, there's like a couple definitions of it. Um, but I think really what it comes down to is just like the um, 
I mean, I would say it's complex PTSD, but it's basically just um, the way that it's, there's a 12 step program and the way that they describe it is someone who responds to adult situations with self-doubt, self-blame, or a sense of being wrong or inferior all as a result of their childhood. Yep. Um, And so I can just tell you my like, aha. So I, I spent years and years and years and years and years in, in a shitload of pain uh, not realizing that what I experienced in romantic relationships was complex PTSD, mm-hmm. like no fucking clue. Mm-hmm. Um, and my first aha was somebody I dated for, and I was sober at this point. I was seven years sober at this point. Sure. Uh, somebody I dated for less than a month, like ghosted me. Mm-hmm. And my reaction was as if my husband of 30 years had just like, duck. magically. Yeah. Died yeah. 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 Um, massive, like I'm the world is ending. Yeah. Like legitimately, like life is not worth living anymore. Yep. Uh, and so the first aha was there's no way that the way that I'm feeling right now could actually be about this situation. Good for you. Aha was this is a feeling I felt often as a child. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I always knew that my childhood was less than ideal. Like my mom was an alcoholic. My dad was emotionally unavailable, but I was never physically or sexually abused. So how bad could it truly have been? You know, that's a common story I hear. Yep. So it can be pretty bad if not worse, because there's no, there's no like physical visible thing that would say I was traumatized. You have no idea. Mm -hmm. And then, because this is something that comes up too with people that are in my community. It's like, they feel like because their childhood wasn't that bad. Then there's an extra layer of shame. Why am I so fucked up? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, if we just look at what the nervous system is, it's, it's not just a bunch of nerves. It is an energetic, electric, biochemical system field that touches every part of our physiology, but it also influences how we see the world around us Mm -hmm. and how we take in the world. Mm-hmm. humans are different than other mammals we're mammals we're animals but then we're human and that makes it difficult for us so far and i'm being very general here because our higher brain is still we're, we still don't know where it came from right it, it's i mean i have some ideas but you know it, it has evolved so quickly so fast and we we can override our physiology, just like, you know, yogis can change their heart rate through meditation. Like we can also stop the system from working the way it should. But when you have a human come out of mom, right? She's not, kid is not like Bambi in the woods, just pops up on the two feet and and take care of themselves, knows how to do, like they have to have some care from the mom you know, but it's the the transition, the apprenticeship to that deer being on their own is so fast. Humans, even if like, even if you're 20 years old, to go back to the adult child thing, you might not be set up to know how to navigate the world, because it depends on how you are nurtured. And so what's occurring, um, Andrea, with all the all these things, complex PTSD, shame, doubt, addiction, mental health problems, physical, you know, I think one of the the most misunderstood things thing is chronic illness, autoimmune, many, if not 
I'm going to, you know, cancers that aren't due to environmental toxins, right? Because that's a different thing. But these things that occur in the body that are so hard and and make people so unwell, those are also connected to not being raised properly. Mm-hmm. Because our nervous system needs strong regulation so that the organs inside and the immune function and the gut function, the hormone function and the cardiovascular function and the waste you know, elimination functions, all the functions that keep us healthy, those are governed by our nervous system. And so if our nervous system is constantly worried about I'm going to die or someone's going to scream at me or I'm going to watch my parents fight or there's no food on the table or whatever it might be, you know, there's like a long list, the little person is going to not a develop well, and they're going to think that the world is a dangerous place. Mm-hmm. And what does a system do when the world is a dangerous place? They find a way to protect. And that either is, is either through hypervigilance, mm-hmm. what we would call living in an activated, sympathetically driven fight flight state, or we collapse, mm-hmm. we shut down, we freeze. And that is what lends itself to the chronic illnesses. It's like you're creating a swamp in your body. There's no flow. There's no oxygen. So the freeze more so you're saying or either response. Okay. Both. So it goes. So there's sort of this hierarchy. Like um, if there was a threat coming through my window, Mm -hmm. not that that's going to happen, but you never know. know. (laughs) You never know. (laughs) There are some balloons that have been flying up there lately, right? (laughs) Right. Yeah. So So let's just say that comes and I see it coming to my window I might get a bit of a shock, like, oh, right. I'm like, not going to be interested in this podcast anymore. And I might try, like, like, do I have to worry about like you, you assess, is this dangerous? And let's say it just keeps coming through my, and it breaks my glass. I'm going to get the heck out. I'm going to, you know, get the heck out of Dodge flee. Mm-hmm. Right. Let's just say, I don't have the, I don't have the time to get out of the way if I can't fight this thing and flee, I'm going to, sh- I'm going to, I'm going to be that to bring the deer back, mm-hmm. the deer in the headlights, you know, you're on the dark road in the country and the deer just stops and it literally is frozen. It's not because it's being stupid. Mm-hmm. It's because it's preserving. It's waiting to be hit by the car. Mm-hmm. So humans in many ways, if they grow up in um, it doesn't have, like you said, it doesn't have to be violent. It could be cold, that classic, you know, unemotional, stiff British upper lip, you know, something terrible happens. We don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. We don't feel, we don't process our our feelings, whether it's joy or sadness or anger. And so if a kiddo is in that environment, they're just going to be that deer in the headlight and they're just going to be like, I'm just going to wait to die. Mm-hmm. But then what happens is that in our system, our society, we're not helping at that level, that kid becomes an adult. And I'm going super fast here, but to generalize, and they're shut down, because mm-hmm. that's what preserved them in that terrible situation. And under that shutdown is the fight and the flight. This is where people will say, I have anxiety, but I also have depression, it doesn't make sense. And then this is where, if we think about um, abuse of drugs, alcohol, shopping, exercise, all the things that people get addicted to, they're doing that in an attempt to bring themselves out of shutdown, mm-hmm. right? So drugs, some drugs speed you up, some slow you down. 
right? And usually when someone is playing with this physiology, they do a bit of both. Mm-hmm. I was in the uh, um, high sport, like adrenaline junkie world. I lived in a mountain town for 13 years. Like most You're up people- in Canada, right? I'm in Vancouver. Yeah. British yeah Columbia. I have a ton of Canadian listeners. Yeah. So I was in, I lived in Whistler, British Columbia for 13 years, grew up on skis, paraglided, mountaineered, flew off of things, dove into things. And I was in functional freeze and I was always so calm, but it's because my system wasn't, and I wasn't abused. You know, my traumas were different. And so I wasn't verbally abused. I wasn't emotionally abused, none of that. And so this is the other thing. Like, I'm like, it really was a good childhood, right? Um, but there were other things that put my system into the shutdown response. And it wasn't until I'm 47 now, it wasn't until about three years ago, even after being deep in this work for 15 years, that I was like, holy shit, I am still working with layers of freeze. What was that? What was that moment for you? Talk about that aha and what led it, to it. Um, one of them was so growing up with sport, I have had so many whiplashes and concussions, bone breaks, surgeries, mm-hmm. like multiple, multiple surgeries to fix things. And while I had done so much work and I had shifted like sleep apnea and panic in the middle of the night, that was another thing that started coming up about six years ago when I had never once in my life, Andrea felt any anxiety. I didn't know what anxiety was. Must be nice. (laughs) Well, until it, until it comes up. Yeah, exactly. Right. And I honestly, my husband at one point even brought me to the hospital. He's like, this Mm -hmm. is weird. Like I was physically like, it was like a heart attack Mm -hmm. and they're like, you're Mm -hmm. fine. You're fine. I'm like, (laughs) so that was, that was about six years ago. And that was the, that was like the, the crack of my, like that opened things up. But what started to happen was I started to get chronic pain in my neck, my shoulders, my, my spine that made no sense. I wasn't doing anything different, but it was all the old shock traumas, all the old concussions. Imagine if you've had a hundred whiplashes and you've never, ever rested your neck all that tension gets stored. And so I knew I was coming out of these layers of freeze because I had more pain. Mm-hmm. And in our society, when we feel more pain, and this is different from having like an acute, like femur fracture, mm-hmm. like, yeah, go to the hospital. Right. But this was like, I am a totally functioning human being. I have chronic pain for no reason, but it was old stuff. And so that's when I knew because of my, of course, experience and work, oh man, these are these old shock traumas from when I was five, when I was six, seven, eight, nine, 10, all the way into my thirties that I had never felt, never processed. Um, And even like this week, another layer has come out and my husband was like, because he's also a practitioner of this work. And he felt my neck. He's like, it feels like cement. I'm like, yep, yeah, it was totally pliable and beautiful. And I'm still, you know, I work out, so I'm not debilitated, but it's like, where is this coming from? It's, it's, it's another layer bubbling up. So how people come out of freeze, well, I'll go back. I would say there's not many humans on this planet whom have lived a westernized life of being perfect, you know, doing all the things many haven't gotten to this layer, these deep layers of letting go of 
these deep, deep, deep survival responses. It cannot be done with just living. Time doesn't heal this stuff. You actually have to work very diligently at the level of, at the level of your nervous system. You have to understand the physiology because if you don't understand the physiology, you might miss a really important moment. Mm-hmm. And this is where understanding how your system works is important. It goes back to the human thing because we're not the animal in the wild with social conditioning. We have to really understand what's going on because we can, we can kind of deke ourselves out of healing. Like we can sabotage ourselves. We can use resistance to say, nope, even though I know I should be doing this, it's too uncomfortable. And sometimes that's unconscious. Kind of like like what you said about that relationship. And that's kudos to you for actually picking up on this can't be because of being with a guy for a month. Mm-hmm. And most people don't get that. And they live their whole lives until they die. And that's why I created this podcast, you know, because yeah. there's so many fucking people out there who don't. Um, a couple things just came to mind. So and yeah. this is one thing that I wanted to talk with you about. So like the stored trauma and um like limiting beliefs yep. so like i think that you know part of for part of my healing is right it's 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 processing the unprocessed trauma that's you know somatically that's in my body but it's also um looking at the faulty beliefs that i came to learn about myself as a result of my childhood when you mm-hmm. talk about the experiences that you had mm-hmm. as far as like shock trauma concussions physical things is there a limiting belief aspect to that that is also a part of it that needs to be addressed yes and that belief is it's in the you know we still don't know where the mind is so it's like it it, maybe it's in the mind maybe it's in the memory but it's also in the body so a weird thing that can happen is if someone let's just say like myself had all these shock traumas, surgeries. The other thing that I had was extreme uh, chemical exposure. Yeah, I read about that. What is it? Fluid trauma? Is that what you call it? It's called fluid. It, it impacts the fluid, like all the fluids of our cells. But it's it's something that happens when you're repeatedly exposed to chemicals. It, it isn't like I smelled bleach one day. It's like I was bathed in chemicals when I was in utero with my mom because she was in chemicals as a veterinary Mm -hmm. surgeon in tech. Mm -hmm. She was, she was as a young woman sprayed with DDT every week in dorm rooms in Manila in the Philippines. Like that's intense. Like that would be illegal now. Right. And so her system, you know, in a, in a transgenerational way Mm -hmm. was carrying because our fat cells carry toxins, Mm -hmm. right. And unless you're actively detoxing, you're not getting rid of that shit. So then I grow in her and I'm getting exposed to her, you know, and this isn't my mother's fault by any means. She just didn't know. And then she was exposed to chemicals in her job. And then when I was born, I was born into an animal hospital because my parents are both veterinarians. So I was around chemicals. And then as soon as I was old enough to wash the floor or clean the windows or develop x-rays, I was inhaling, you know, you didn't wear gloves back then. You know, you were just being constantly imbued with chemicals. So that was a big part of my stuff, which is rare. But for people that like grew up on farms, a lot of kids back in the day were covered in pesticides, you know, and chemicals for for fields and all that kind of stuff. So that was my stuff. 
Um, I've lost the train of thought. The limit, like how limiting, oh, beliefs. limiting beliefs. Right. Yeah. So there's a weird thing that happens. Um, and I've seen this and I saw this in myself. If you have had, let's say an accident or you've been abused, it can go both ways. That, that insult, that memory in the tissues is there. And if you don't work on healing it through moving out the fight, flight, freeze, I'll keep it really simple. The system in a strange fucked up way will keep looking for a way to get that out. Mm. And so it will get into another accident. Mm. It will get into another relationship. Mm. It will get into another Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And so people will think I just have bad luck. But then what happens is then you start to, because of our human brain and how smart we are, we start to talk to ourselves. I'm always clumsy. I'm clumsy. I'm always, you know, you you hear people, I was never good at PE, you know, physical education. I was always the person that fell. I was always the person that wasn't good at art. I could never do math. Right. And a lot of those things are related to how we were engaged in those moments. And usually if we think about the school system, it's because there was stress Mm -hmm. and teachers we hated who probably didn't want to be there anyway. Right. So there's just this toxic soup that we're raising children in. So if you aren't watching those thoughts and how they're talking to yourself about this accident or about, I'm never good in relationships. I always end up with the, 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 whatever, like, so there is, there's a playing with both. But like the human system is connected with mind and body and environment. And if you're not working with all three, you're going to miss a piece of the puzzle. So, um, so for yourself, what do you yeah. think were some lim- limiting beliefs that resulted from your accidents? So a big part of that, a big part of it was not realizing I was in, I was in freeze. Cause when you're in freeze and you're going 60 kilometers an hour down a ski hill or you're 10,000 feet above sea level in a paraglider, mm-hmm. you're not really feeling the potential for problems. Mm-hmm. You're just, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're not, you're not sensing the actual reality of what's happening. And so you won't feel the, um, the sign, the intuition that says, Hey, Hey, slow down. True story. So I was married before my current husband and this was my world of outdoor adventure. And it was towards the the beginning where I was learning about the mind body. I was deep into fitness and sport before I got into more mind body stuff. I love how you say sport, sport, sport. (laughs) (laughs) And I have friends who work in high performance sport. You know, I'm not opposed to it you know should we have olympics that spend the amount of money so it sounds so i don't think so yeah sport um structured sport um so i was ski touring with my husband then and we were like on our own joffrey peak if anybody knows where that is up from whistler i'm on this mountain with my ex my my then husband and there is a part in me that was like i don't want to go up that that face like we were touring up on our skis, but it was like, 
he, and he was just like, well, I'm going, I'm going to leave you here. And of course that's not an option because it's freezing and I can't just stay at the camp. I'm like, okay, I'll go. And so we're, we're skinning up or touring up. And then the weather came in, you mm-hmm. couldn't see anything. And we had to play it very safe because we were safe and we skied down close to these rocks. And then when we got to the bottom and the, the clouds cleared, we had missed an avalanche fall mm. with sizes of chunks of snow, the like big, like refrigerators. And there was a part of me, Andrea, when I was skinning up where all I wanted to be was at home doing my laundry. Mm. I'm like, this isn't fun. Like I, I feel afraid for my life right now. I'm skilled. I can ski, you know, there's no problem. So we get home that night. This was a long day. And uh, at the time I was still living in a house with my, my dad and he opened up the door and you could see he, he, it's like, he felt like he saw a ghost. I'm getting shivers just thinking about it. I'm like, Hey, he, and he was like, Oh my God. You know, my dad's not he had heard about the avalanche. Well, he had heard about another ski patroller who had died that day. Mm. And my husband was a ski patroller is still a ski patroller. So he assumed he didn't know. And that day, all these avalanches were going off in that valley. So my system picked up on something at that moment. Like I was starting to defrost and I was starting to feel that intuition. Um, And it was after that day that I was like, and it's not that ski touring is bad, but I have lost people in that world because they don't listen. But the thing is, is if you're frozen, you don't have intuition it's gone. Mm-hmm. And or your your choices, you think it's the right thing, but it's actually the wrong thing. It's why we will hear about folks who have been abused, raped, they will get into situations where they are attacked again. And even uh, Peter Levine, who's one of my mentors who founded Somatic Experiencing, he has talked to perpetrators of physical and sexual abuse. And they will say, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, I'm in a bar, and I can see a sea of women and I can pick out the one that I can attack. But that's their intuition, seeing the person who's a little more febile or you know weak, collapsed, just like an animal in the wild who's hunting a whole range of impala, you know, will see the one that has a little bit of a limp or is slower and they will hone in on that animal that they know they can eat, that they can attack. And so when a human doesn't work on their past traumas, whether it's an accident, whether it's physical abuse, whether it's emotional, verbal, the people who are also in their own survival stress, playing out their own traumas, can can abuse and harm those folks. So there's literally that saying, you know, don't walk down the dark alley. Well, sometimes the dark alley is safe. But if you don't have that proper, it's called neuroception, it's an actual term, the perception of safety or danger. Stephen Porges, who developed the polyvagal Mm -hmm. theory, he coined that term. When you are stuck in fight, flight, freeze, your perception of accurate safety and danger isn't online. And this is why we keep getting into these things over and over again. Since starting this work, I haven't been injured. 
And I, you know, I'm not doing the same kind of crazy stuff, but I still hike. I go to the gym. I walk. I, I've never been in a car accident, knock on wood, you know, but I know people, Andrea, who have been in car accidents that are exactly the same. Yeah. It's crazy to think about the repetition compulsion when it comes to shit like that, you know, like it it makes sense with like the relationship stuff or like job stuff, but like physical harm, like that's hundred percent. Well, and it comes down to the orienting response. If Uh you're Right. So like, let's just say to make it more about say an accident, because I know there's people who were like, I'm, I'm like, I've been in the same car accident. So let's just say your, your car accident is you get T-boned, right? Because you were not paying attention, Mm -hmm. right? And it was your fault, for example. I mean, it doesn't have to be your fault, but it can add more stress to it when it was or is. So if you get T-boned from the, let's say the left, two things might happen. You're constantly you, looking to the you're left. constantly looking to the left, or you or don't want to look to the left at all. You're only going to look yeah. to the right because that's mm-hmm. where the bad thing came from. Mm-hmm. And so, if you don't work on that after the accident, you will literally have a blind spot to one of those mm-hmm. sides. And then what happens every time you go into that intersection to turn left or right? You know, in this case, you'd be in the intersection to turn left in North America. Um, you go into a little bit of a freeze. Mm-hmm. If you haven't healed the trauma of that accident, and you don't have to be hurt, it can just be like a shitty experience, but the the stress is held in the system. And if you're not aware that as soon as you go into an intersection, you get a little frozen and you lose your, your vision, you lose your hearing, you might not hear the honking horn. You might not hear the rumble of the truck. You dissociate a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then that's how people get in these accidents over and over again. Um, there's no reason anybody should be hit by a car. It breaks it breaks my heart when I see cyclists hit at intersections. Usually it's probably their fault yeah, because they're just yeah. zooming through stop signs, yeah. right? It's like, dude, look both ways. No kidding. Same with, same with people crossing the street. So many people don't look both ways when they cross the street anymore. And I think a lot of it is in San Francisco. It was horrible. I used to live there. Oh, it's, it's like that here completely. We saw a, a a man and his child with a stroller almost get hit by a car the other day because he didn't look and he went through, he was walking across the sidewalk and it was a red light. He didn't see the red light. He has his baby. Like that shows how disconnected we are. There's no way a mother bear would ever let her cubs cross the street. If there was, you know, I know the odd squirrel in that gets, you know, smoked by a car on the highway, but they're also not as, as calm, you know, they're, they're living in more survival energy, but there's no way, there's no reason a human should have these accidents, but it's because we're stuck in this freeze dissociation or we're hypervigilant to one side and we forget there's a whole other world over there. Well, my, my version of car accidents was dating alcoholics named Brian. So that was mine. <laughs> really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's my bottom. So, uh, yeah, so my very first episode is called The Tale of Two Brian's. Oh, wow. So I dated Brian number one at seven years sober. And that was the story that I told you. Yeah. It was like a week later, I went to an AA meeting and this woman with over 30 years, um, she brought up this terminal child. And then I like went home and read the book and my mind was blown. And I saw her the next week. And she was like, that's great that you read it, but I just want you to know that this is going to take you like years and years and years of like really hard work and therapy work. to do this. And I was 28 at the time. And I was like, 
no uh, way. Years. <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. need this fixed yesterday, lady. Yeah. And so I, I was like, I'll just take a break for a year. I'll, I yeah. should be fine. Yeah. Enter Brian number two, the most painful six months of my whole life, leaving work at 11 in the morning to go pull mm. him out of a bar. I was nine, I was nine years sober at this point. Um, mm. and that's when I, yeah, I mean, it's hilarious now. Now there's, there's just been so many like full circle that's moments. So like interesting. Brian number one messaged me on Instagram about a year into the podcast. And mm. I had, I mean, he, I hadn't heard from him in five years mm-hmm. and he basically was like, what you're doing is amazing. Like I've been to rehab Aww. twice since we've dated and like, and then a couple, then last week from, it was right before my hundredth episode and I had her on my podcast. I had a girl reach out to me because after she went on date number two with the Brian number two, and he <laughs> drank a full bottle of her vodka without her knowing it. And when she confronted him about it, he then was like, yeah, it's a problem. Like even my ex-girlfriend has a podcast about it. And so she's been listening for like the past year and a half. And then finally like reached out and told me the story. And so that's then I so, had her on the podcast last oh, week because then she realized she was an adult child because he told her about the podcast. That's so that interesting. Crazy? Things happen for interesting reasons. Oh, there's but been yeah. so many. Yeah. Well, and you know, the thing, the thing that's interesting is um, to, th- to go on that thread of addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my men there when you're done with this. Comment. Yeah. One of my mentors, uh, Steve Hoskinson, I remember he, when I was learning SE, he drew like three columns on it's not the chalkboard anymore on whatever he was drawing on. And one was um, being out of control. So that's one column. One was being in control. And then one was being able to let go of control. So if we think about dysregulation and trauma and how that leads to say addiction, but we could also say a health problem, that's the system being out of control, mm-hmm. right? It's sick, it's addicted, it's being reckless, right? No control, like just out of control. Control would be um, being good, you know, not not going into those addictive traits. Um, it would also be the person who has to have a supreme routine mm-hmm. to stay to stay well, mm-hmm. right? The chronic fatigue, uh, autoimmune, like everything has to be perfect. I can't have a whiff of gluten or else I flare up. Like all these things. Not that that's the thing, but for some people, the food is how they get their um, sickness, their illness into check. And that works to a certain degree, but there's still, the system is still in like this clamp down lockdown and it's better, but it's not being able to let go of control. And that's where one might say, you can have a little bit of fun, but it's not going back into being out of control and in chaos. It's knowing and trusting that your system is going to be fine because you know your limits Mm. and you know when, what is safe, what isn't safe. And what I found is that when people get into working with their nervous system at this somatic level that I teach, they can move from always being in control to letting go a little bit, which frees up space in the system Right. And so there's kind of this um, beautiful trajectory of how we see living in chaos to living in mastery versus being kind of in a state of being still a student. Mm -hmm. And a master is where anything can happen and you're fine. Mm -hmm. 
you know, bearing like, you know, being exposed to nuclear fallout, that's none of us will be fine if that happens. But um, what about the people who were living on Hawaii when they had that like 45 minutes where they thought the nuclear bomb was coming? Yeah. I want to hear how that impacted somebody like that must have been traumatizing as shit. My husband's son was actually there because he was was born. Yeah, he's born in Hawaii and is still there now. And they got the text messages. And well, here's the thing. It's like any natural disaster. If you have severe dysregulation and you're not able to recenter and just accept what is going on, you will you will you you will very well maybe go into yeah. absolute panic or you'll shut down. You know, there's a great um do you know who Rick Rubin is? Mm-hmm. He was on I think it was the Joe Rogan podcast. Mm-hmm. Great great talk. I actually had my students listen to a part of it where they were talking about creativity because that's his thing. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> there is a story in that discussion where you're like dude, it's worth listening to. Cause even my husband was like, did you get to the part about the fire? So, so this is a spoiler alert. I'm like, no, not yet. Cause it was long. So I take like a week to get through these long podcasts. He's like, well, just wait until you get to the fire part. I'm like, how bad could it possibly be? He was in his home with his wife and I forget what happened or how it happened, but the house burned down. And he woke up and he, and, and she, and she, he was dead asleep. And she was like, there's a fire quick. We need to get out of here. We need to get, and I think they had a kid, like a small kid. She fled and he's like, oh, it's fine. She'll be fine. She'll, she'll take care of it. And then she came back in and she's like, we got to go. And he's literally like, dude, it's fine. You'll, my wife is capable. She'll take And I'm like, what makes someone not able to actually assess that there's true danger? Mm -hmm. That's deep freeze, the other dead giveaway. And I I love his work. So this isn't a hit against him, but it shows where he is with regulation. He was talking about how he would be in a cold plunge for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Most people would die of hypothermia by then. So some might say that he has a really strong regulated system. I might say Yes, he has creative genius, but there's some deep shutdown in his system. And when you listen to his history, it's like, uh huh, that's probably, he's probably living in that state of dysregulation because no one in their right mind wouldn't get out of bed when you have a small child and your house is burning down. And I think he ended up having to like climb out of the window. But you can see Rogan is like, dude. Because Rogan is actually quite regulated. He's very regulated. And he could feel in his body, there's no way in hell I just let my wife take care of this. So that that's an example of how functional freeze and how we can be so disconnected from these things and not even know that there's a problem there. Um, so it's fascinating. It's a fascinating thing. You had a question about addiction. Well, I have a bunch of questions. This is where I want to go. Okay. So... Well, this is where I was thinking. Let me, it might be like a, a two-parter, but so. Sure. Okay. Well, so basically what I didn't realize at the time, and now I do, is that it's a very common experience for people between like five to 10 years sober, they've kind of like dealt with the addiction stuff. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, they're now like the real causes and conditions start to come to the surface. Okay. Um, My question is around... Cause you often hear that like 
shit comes to the surface when it's time to deal with it or when it's like safe to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And I know that like the biggest thing as far as like, you know, starting to deal with our trauma, neuroplasticity, all that stuff has to do with um, like establishing safety. Mm -hmm. Is there a level of safety that is already existing if things are coming to the surface? And then my next question, like part two would be like, how does one create safety within when their external environment like is not necessarily safe and perhaps there's nothing they can do about it? Yeah, that's a tough one. So um, I'll go to the first question first. A common thing people will ask me and my team is, can I start doing this work? And when I say the work, I mean the work I teach, not breath work or meditation or mindfulness, mm-hmm. like the real deep somatic, somatic work. Yeah. work that is the work of Peter Levine, Kathy Kane, and the mm-hmm. Feldenkrais work. The like mm-hmm. so it's it's a trifecta. And I'll and I'll say, well, your system has been unsafe since in utero, maybe even before that, because of intergenerational traumas. Mm-hmm. Um, don't wait until you're safe to start because you'll, it, it won't happen, right? Time will not create, usually time doesn't create safety. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just, it, in our day and age, it doesn't, it's not enough. That's why, you know, if it did, then we wouldn't be here having this conversation, right? Yes, obviously. Right. There would have been a so, few Brian's, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that seems obvious, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, I, 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 I sometimes nick my fingers when I'm cutting things because I cook a lot. And, you know, I didn't have to do anything with this, this cut on my thumb other than put a Band-Aid on it and make sure it was clean. And it's totally sealed up. Amazing. So my immune system, so it's like, it's working. But with this stuff, this isn't just physiological. It's interaction. It's, it's, it's attachment. It's other people. Mm-hmm. Um, we are supposed to be treated well by our parents. So I'll pose this thing that that bear that I talked about or the the deer. If you have a deer here, where are you living in the world? Andrea? I'm in Florida. So are there deer an alligator? There? Alligator? No, because they're reptiles. Um, a a a a, a coyote or, or something, right? So wild animals that are mammals, they are going to raise their young the same here as the States, as Russia. I always use bears because there's bears in the United States, Canada, and Russia, for example. There's no there's no denying that mother bear is going to treat her cubs the same in these three countries because it's written into their DNA. Mm-hmm. This is where the human brain screws it up. If we didn't have all the conditioning, society, religion, school system, system, systems, industry, domestication, we would also take care of our young exactly the same, no matter where we are on the planet, because we would just be in that animal mammalian nurture, right? Mammalian, that's a good word, mammalian. Yeah, but then human. And and so, so when you have this situation where there was never safety from the beginning, or there wasn't safety before, because of war and famine that the parents came from, um, there is an inherent sense in the cells that is 
The world is a dangerous place. We're all going to die and no one is to be trusted. So I have to do it all by myself and I have to cope via all these things to stay safe. The thing is, is that is not true safety. That's survival. Mm-hmm. And so the question that you had about safety is we can't cognitively say I'm safe. Like I could say, yep, yeah, there's no alligators. There's no boogeyman, you know, it's safe in here. But if my system is still living in that old pattern, that old wiring of, I have to protect because mom might come in and like scream at me Mm -hmm. or mom and dad might fight today. Like it just, it's not working. It won't, we won't find that safety. So creating safety in the system has to happen very slowly, just the same way a human isn't going to learn how to walk in a week. Mm -hmm. They're not going to learn how to talk in a week. We kind of have to go back to that developmental place if it takes time for a human to learn and master something. So if they didn't get it growing up as adults, we have to layer the learning. I like to say the ABCs and the one, two, threes of reconnecting to self, reconnecting to the environment and really listening to the body and that's a whole other conversation, but like working with the organs, that's what we teach our students to do in addition to a whole bunch of stuff, because the organs, when you're a baby, they are the ones that contract the kidneys and adrenals pump out the adrenals, pump out cortisol. They pump out chemicals, the gut clenches, right? When a kid is not scared, what do they say? I have a tummy ache, right? We have to work with these viscera to reteach the viscera. You don't have to be so freaked out. Mm. And that is very different than the mindfulness uh, affirmations that do have a time and a place. They work really well. Like the power of intention is so much stronger when your system is biologically safe. It's quite incredible. Our psychic abilities just get so much stronger when this system is like really revving in a good way. So that's the first part about safety. The second part about being in an environment, you're right. If there is constant threat around us, like physical threat, or we're living with a family system still because we have to, and they are in their toxicities. If we're living in a war-torn zone, which many people do in this world, that is not safe. Um, If someone is in a job that sucks, you know, that's going to put them into survival stress. But there are, like, I have had students who have gotten out of shitty jobs, shitty relationships, bad home environments, because they just start. They don't wait till it's perfect. But there comes a point where if you want true, deep regulation on board and full, like, blown out cellular safety, you can't stay in that environment. It's like with food and toxins, like you can clean your body out and be super healthy and not have any chemicals in your environment. But if you're living right next to a power plant that's spewing out toxic smoke, it's going to keep impacting you, right? Not power plant, but you get it. We know what you mean. A pulp mill. There's lots of those here. (laughs) So, um, yes, you can start to heal if you're in in an unsafe environment. But it also depends. I wouldn't say to someone who is literally in a country where there's bombs going off, I want you to start healing your nervous system. 
those people <laughs> those people have to be in survival yeah and and that's the part that is like no we got to wait till that's over and then we come in and help right you can't you know you can give them tools and such but they're just going to get thrown back into i think i might die today mm -hmm, mm -hmm. does that make sense absolutely okay um one of the things that i've heard you talk about is how you know, not only does one have to believe that they can heal, but they also have to feel worthy and deserving, deserving of healing. And there's just so many people that like that belief that we are unworthy and undeserving is just so embedded yeah. in, in every aspect of our life. And it's like, somatically, are there ways to address that faulty belief that we are unworthy of, of healing and recovery. A hundred percent that comes back to, I mean, the fight, flight, freeze. So a big part of feeling that we don't deserve um, is connected to being um, toxically shamed. Mm -hmm. Know it well. <laughs> you're useless. You're never going to get anywhere. You're an idiot. Um, you know, you spill the glass of milk and you're basically told that you're what all the bad things when it's just an accident. So there's varying degrees of toxic shame, but even the tiniest bit embeds in that little person's system. And so one of the things that we work with at more advanced levels is working with healthy aggression and anger. And so when you're five years old and your father, you know, berates you for not doing something or, or whatever, you know, crying even, or, or soiling your, your, your bed, you know, peeing your bed or something like that. Soiling. <laughs> soiling. It's the, the right, it's the classic, the, the Sport. appropriate term. Sport and spoiling. <laughs> yeah. You shit in your bed. Um, yeah. You know, what happens in that five-year-old is they don't have the option to say, well, some might, but usually fuck you, dad. Like they won't because they have to be good because they know they're dependent on the, on the family. This is why kids will protect, right. Their parents when they're being abusive. Yeah. Like, or believe that it's their fault. Cause it's much yeah. safer for us to think that it's our fault. Exactly. You know, how many divorces have happened where it it is not the kid's thing. And yet the kid thinks they've done something wrong. Mm -hmm. So, but the animal in that little kid wants to say fuck you or hit or run away you know and i have heard of some instances where some kids will run away mm -hmm. you know a, a friend of mine just told me when she was three she climbed out of her window and went down the street and tried to enroll herself into preschool because she wanted to get out of the house <laughs> like not many not many yeah not many three-year-olds would do that right and and so I'm like, so she was fleeing, like she was looking for connections, but it off that doesn't often happen. So, so fast forward to your, you're 40 years old, you know, you, you feel that you don't deserve anything and you know that it's been traced back to the fact that you were toxically shamed. There was abuse, adversity. Um, that's where, yes, you need to, to know, okay, I deserve to be healthy. I deserve to be well. Like a lot of um, adults will get chronic illness mm -hmm. when they're young because it's a way to get attention. It happens all the time. And so 
part of of working with those patterns of collapse in the body that happen with toxic shame. If you're collapsed and you're in that, that shutdown, that freeze, mm-hmm. you're not going to feel deserving. You're going to feel like you just, there's just another truck's just going to roll over me. Just, just roll over me. Right. So you have to build capacity. It goes back to the ABCs and one, two, threes. I can't. And I would never say to someone who came to me, okay, let's work on your healthy aggression today. And they've never done any groundwork. That would be like saying to someone, I want you to pilot this plane, but they have no clue about anything about planes. Mm -hmm. It's too much too soon, but you have to start with ground school. Can you even feel your body right now? Can you connect to how it feels on the chair? Can you even see the space around you? Um, Can you feel your, your actual physicality? I mean, there's all, these are all the things that we would teach. Um, but we want to build capacity so that the person can start to feel their animal self and feel that, that we can say that roar, that healthy aggression, that part that's like, no, like this is where boundaries comes in, right? Setting, setting terms, boundaries, setting boundaries is, is basically healthy aggression, Mm. right? Um, expressing irritation. I'm frustrated. Like that is also on the spectrum of anger and healthy aggression. Um, So we need to cultivate foundation and capacity in the system so we can start to feel these biological impulses. And when we start to get that on board, then we, you know, a, a mother bear to go back, she never will say, I deserve to protect my cubs. She just does it. Right. Right. She's not going to think when that, 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 you know, coyote comes in. Hmm. Do I deserve, do these, do these, are they deserving? Yeah. Are these babies deserving of me? Protect? No. And so that's again, where that human brain stops us from that. Mm. And so the deserving piece isn't going to pop on like at the beginning, but it starts to just, it starts to just happen. And this is what can be really hard for people to understand is when your system is regulated and you're not living in that fight, flight, freeze, these things just naturally come out. But so many of us have layer upon layer of, of, I can't do that. I'm not allowed to do that. If I do that, someone, you know, the anger thing for people that grew up with violence, mm-hmm. it's hard for them to, to be okay with expressing a, even a boundary. Because when you did, you might have gotten hurt, or you might got might have gotten more abused if you tried to show your aggression. Mm-hmm. And so, it, it is a an unwiring, a detaching, an uncoupling of these, not just beliefs, but also how the body is waiting for something bad to happen, and for protection. I hope I'm making sense. You make absolute perfect sense. Okay. Um, another thing that I've heard you talk about is how we have to, um, we have to not fear our fear. Mm -hmm. And would you say that this goes along the lines with like being willing to sit with our uncomfortable emotions and how does one like take baby steps into doing so? So you're right. We fear is important, but when fear has been coupled with, um, terror Mm -hmm. and someone who's supposed to be protecting us like our parents not doing that it gets confusing so 
we need fear because again, if that thing's coming at me, I'm going to need to, you know, mount a response. So we need that. But what has often occurred in our, in our, again, Western culture is we've become so devoid of feeling our bodies Mm. that it's so overwhelming to feel the tightness in the throat, the tightness in the chest. I mean, this is where, you know, overeating and addictions and distraction comes in. It takes us out of our body. So to do baby steps to that, um, I might not say to someone, I need you to feel it. This is where like sitting meditation can be absolutely horrendous for someone Mm -hmm. with trauma that's stored because they don't have any tools. It'd be like, again, saying to someone, I want you to fly this plane. And oh, by the way, we're already in the air. Have at her. Like, you you know, that's a silly example. But for someone who's never connected to the environment or consciously, they've never connected to, say, their digestion or the feeling around their heart, or they've never even considered what it feels like to breathe. They've never listened to the pressure in their bladder. I have to go pee. What? What do you mean? right? These, these, these biological impulses, if a person's never felt those, I am not going to ask them to sit with their biggest fear in a still moment. Because often when we feel those fears, we need to move. We need to let um, what's called a procedural memory maybe come out like that feeling of get off of me, right? So if that fear is coupled with a fight, We need to act out and move that fight response out. We can't just sit there all Buddha and be peaceful when you want to rip someone's head off, Mm -hmm. right? And part of the work is actually allowing people and getting them to that point where they're contained and able to play out the fight Mm. and the flight impulses that they never were able to do. Now, this doesn't mean you're going to go out and hurt someone, but it's, it's moving that energy out. Okay. So and you're not condoning people. violence is what you're trying to say. Exactly. Okay. Don't hurt yourself. Don't hurt your kids. Don't hurt your animals and don't hurt your stuff. Right. There's a way to get that, <laughs> that, that rage. How out. do you feel about break rooms? Like those places where you just like go and throw plates? No bueno. It's not gonna, I mean, it could be fun. I mean, it's fun in a Greek restaurant, but you know, <laughs> it's not, it's not going to move that deep survival energy out if you're not connected to the impulse. Mm. This is the problem with these, you know, retreats where they give you a bat, plastic bat, and you hit things in a group. It's not, it's, (laughs) yeah, you're, you're hitting. Um, You might feel good because you got your blood going, some endorphins got going. And so people think they've healed their traumas with that, but they haven't, (laughs) right? That you have to connect to the pain Mm-hmm. You have to connect to that impulse of like, I want to, I want to put my father's eyes in bleach and burn the shit out of him. I want to take those hands that abused me and put them into a wood chipper. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying that that's what a person should do. <laughs> but if, if that comes up, Andrea, and I've worked with people where we're literally feeling the the physical action of how this person would annihilate their perpetrator or their parents, even their child. I've worked with people who have kiddos with special needs. They would never hurt their kids ever, ever, but they feel like they got the short end of the stick and they're tired Mm -hmm. and they have no break Mm -hmm. and they're frustrated. And it's like, 
Well, if your animal self could do something, what it would do? What would it do? I'd abandon this kid. That's terrible to say. I'm like, I know you're not going to do that. But you know, this is like real work that I've done with parents who love their children. But the animal part is like, I need to get out of here. Right? So, so no, uh, what, what did you call them? Break rooms? Yeah, break. I guess that's yeah. what it's called. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, this is also why I know, see it I, on Housewives a lot. They're always going. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and this is where I, 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 a lot of people get confused because some real top level people will say, "Yeah, you just have to do some martial arts, just get some exercise. That'll heal your trauma." No, it won't. That's good for your body, but you have to connect to these fight, flight, freeze impulses and match them with the appropriate action. For someone who's had early trauma, they don't need to necessarily shake it out. They need to repair the lack of attunement to themselves and the environment. It's much more subtle. But if someone had a massive accident and they were shaken up, then yeah, maybe they have to shake. Mm. But it should never be imposed upon. It needs to come out organically. And that's where I think a lot of people don't want to take the time because it can take years to yeah. get to Spoiler that point. Alert, guys, hate to break it to you. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, me with my shock traumas, I've been doing this work consistently since 2005. It's a lot of time, right? To get to this point where these things are starting coming up. But it doesn't mean that I haven't been productive and all those things. It's just the system. I don't think we really understand how much the human system has kept and held on to since let's say we really started to domesticate humans which mm-hmm. is up for debate when that started but it's at least 10,000 years ago mm-hmm. we have a, we we carry a lot and we're we're we've become sort of um it's been glamorized to make the healing quick and mm-hmm. the pharmaceutical industry has a lot to do with that Modern medicine has a lot to do with that. There's nothing wrong with a surgery or a good teeth cleaning, right? That's very immediate stuff. But this stuff is like, it takes, it's like we're trying to evolve in a different way. And I've been in fitness, nutrition, mind, body. I've been in all these industries and it's always about how can we fast pace this, fast track this. And it it doesn't happen just like you can't fast track human, human baby developing. You can't. And when you try to, you screw them up. Yeah. Pontification. (laughs) Okay. Two more questions. I know I don't have you for that much longer. Yeah. What about uh, somatic work as it relates to fawning? Mm -hmm. So fawn. Yeah. Fawn is just a sophisticated form of freeze. Um, A lot of people, this is well, a while ago. We're like, she doesn't know what she's talking about because she doesn't talk about fawn. Like, no, that's not true. Fawn happens when we're a bit older and we can maneuver ourselves to be more docile, to be more amendable, to be pleasing. So we will fawn when we realize we can't engage in a good way. We can't fight. We can't flight. And we know that we can't be completely collapsed because that's not inducive either but we will then change ourselves to be in relationship. Another part of fawning, and I already mentioned it, is this is often children, they will get sick. That's a form of like biological fawning. Mm. They will will change their physiology. A perfectly healthy kid 
will get sick and they're not doing, they're not doing it consciously, but because again, our mind is so powerful, it can help us heal, but it can also make us sick. Mm -hmm. Like uh, mommy takes care of me when I'm always at home in bed. So I'm just going to keep getting sick. That's a form of fawning in our, in our work. So it's a real thing, but it's, but it's not, um, it's not like a true biological threat response. Interesting. I didn't realize I never heard it described that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so for somebody who's an adult child and they're working on, you know, working through their complex PTSD, Mm -hmm. um, two things, one, if they want to learn more about somatic experiencing and somatic healing, what would be like the number one place that you would tell them to start? And then also, do you have any um, like self-practice tools that you would recommend? I got tons of stuff. So, I mean, my site has everything. There is a lot there. So just recently we put a page that literally says new here. (laughs) So if someone is totally new, it's actually (laughs) a lovely, um, it's written, piece of writing that describes what the nervous system is, why it's important, what happens, all the things. Um, And then in terms of self-practice, everything I teach, whether it's through my, my free audio samplers, which are on my site to my courses, I have two main programs. um, They're all there for a person to learn the theory and the practice And so that is, I I can confidently say now that um, our bigger curriculum, Smart Body, Smart Mind, it is the the best online course for healing somatic, at the somatic level trauma. It's, you know, we've been doing it for six years now. We've run it through 13 times. Um, And it isn't just about vagal retraining. It's not just about learning how to shake things out. It is like a comprehensive curriculum that teaches a person all you need to know about the nervous system, how it works, the deep branches of the sympathetic and parasympathetic gets into toxic shame, healthy aggression, all the things. But then the practices teach you how to work at the organ level, which is so important. Um, And just the other day, someone said, you know, I've done four other online courses around somatic healing and they they made me worse because they actually didn't teach the accurate pieces around the vagus nerve, which has become so misinformed. There's so mm-hmm. much misinformation about the vagus nerve and what it is. And 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 it's just I'm watching these these disasters happen in the online space. And it's do like you the think vagus- it's, it's unintentional, like they're just misinformed, or do you think yeah. that there's some maliciousness? I don't know. I don't think these people are trying to harm anyone. I think that they, I don't think, I know they've read a little bit. They've done maybe a weekend workshop and they're, they're implementing these practices that can help some people. But when you have deeper early trauma and complex PTSD, you're basically working with a system that has no foundation. And so then to put a big stimulus into the system that involves some form of exercise that usually involves sound and deep, deep reverb in the gut, if the gut isn't ready for that, it can actually flare into some massive troubles. And I know this because I get these messages from people saying, 
I just did this retraining thing for my vagus nerve. I haven't been able to sleep for two months. And my gut. How do people sniff that out? Like you have to credentials. So you have to make sure that a person has credentials. Um, Hopefully something like somatic experiencing, hopefully something like, um, uh, the, the early trauma work that I've been talking about is the work of Kathy Kane and Stephen Terrell. Um, there are other, you know, the thing that's hard with this, Andrea, is there's no school. Yeah. Like there's no accreditation. School <laughs> yeah. for this stuff. It's not like medicine, right? So um, you have to see the comprehensiveness of it. The other dead giveaway is if they aren't teaching you the theory, mm. you have to learn the theory as a, as a human on this, like you can't just do the practices because each human, because of the fact that we weren't raised by mother bears, we all have different ways of being with our bodies. And so one day you might do one of these exercises and you actually feel pretty good. But then a month later, you might do it and it blows your system out of the water. And then you think something must be wrong with me Hmm. because this worked really well a month ago that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It means that your system's in a different place. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these fast track, do these lessons, do these. And you're things. good to go. <laughs> no, it's just, it's, it's, you wouldn't do that with a human baby. Right. Mm-hmm. I kind of laugh. And I say to people, if you have a crying human baby, are you going to, are you going to um, tell them to, to take a, a deep breath? You can't. You have to. <laughs> You have to connect with them. And my God, there are people now putting their babies in cold baths to try to settle them down. And they're oming at them and putting didgeridoos in front of them. And you watch these <laughs> And they're literally going into shutdown. Yeah, they're going to stop crying because they're afraid. Mm-hmm. Right? And so you wouldn't do that with an, a newborn to teach them regulation. So why would you do that with an adult child who never got regulation? And so you need to layer it. You need to layer it. And uh, the other dead giveaway is someone says you're going to be fixed in two months. Mm. That's a lie. They can't know that. So those are someone sent me an email the other day asking, what are your credentials? I'm like, I'm just a shit show with a podcast. Like (laughs) (laughs) none. (laughs) My experience. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're just having conversations and bringing information to people, that's different versus being a clinician and teaching people exercises. It does drive me a little bonkers when I see influencers like offering people meditations. Mm -hmm. I'm like, "Mm." I just have a podcast and I facilitate support groups, support groups. So great. I got plenty enough credentials for that shit. Well, I feel like we just scratched the surface. Yes. I'm going to have to have you back on. There's so many more questions I wanted to ask you, but thank you so much for your time. And I'll include all of your shit in the show notes. Is there anything else that you want to say or promote or whatever? Um, If you're here listening to this, watching this, um, there's a, there's a reason. Yeah, no shit. There's a reason. And don't wait till you feel better to start because it won't happen. Mm. unless again you're in that war-torn country and you're in deep survival which could be you know but maybe not like you wouldn't probably be listening to a podcast if you were running for your life right now but if you are here able to like nod your head and scroll your phone and you have food in the refrigerator 
and electricity in your house, then you can do this work. Um, and I've done this enough years to know that there are no mm -hmm. shortcuts. You can't biohack your nervous system, even though people say you can, you can't. Um, so the deep trauma healing has to be done slowly with time um, and with education and practice. It can't just be one or the other. Reading books isn't enough, right? It's got to be actual work. So that would be the final thing I'd say. Mic drop moment? Yeah. Well, that wraps up today's episode. As always, I hope you heard something that could help you on your own journey. As always, I know that you did. And as always, if you didn't seek help, damn the join Patreon. Thank you, thank you, thank you again to Irene. I could have talked to her for hours and hours and hours. Go check out the links to all of her shit. She has a ton of amazing YouTube videos that I highly recommend checking out, as well as, um, you know, two separate courses that she offers on her website. So, yeah. Thank you for getting me to a million fucking downloads. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Why are you listening to this hot ass mess shit show here? What else, folks? You know, I'm just working on building out this um, new community, and it's it's a lot of work. I'm really trying to build this into something that's more and have this be a more robust community and offer more shit to y'all. And, you know, I've, I've brought on somebody to help me build this out. It just brings up a lot of, like, um... It brings up a lot of feelings, like fear of, I don't know, success, failure. Part of it is, you know, it's like fear of abandonment too. I told the, I told, I've said this in a few meetings. It's like, I'm always waiting for the one group where I hop on and everyone's decided, like nobody's on it. Like everyone's decided collectively overnight that I'm crazy and they don't want anything to do with me. It's like I've shared before that I always had this fear that anytime I'd go out of town, my friends were going to decide that they didn't like me anymore. Um, and so I'm always just like waiting for that one day where I log into the Zoom and everyone has uh, not damn the join pa Patreon, but <laughs> damn the cancel Patreon. <laughs> you guys can't do that to me. So stay tuned for more information on that so that we shit shows can take over the damn world. Um, that's all. Love you all. See you next week for another fucking amazing episode of It'll Try It. It's gonna be so awesome. Blah, blah, blah. So excited. It's gonna be a good day. I promise. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.